0: podcast is coming to you live from the Pickaway County Fairgrounds in Circleville, Ohio. It is scheduled for a one fall or a ten count. Now let's go to ringside. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Mr. Wrestling Podcaster number two, Jeremy Vilmer, and now the star of the show, Bobby Blaze.
1: Hey Jeremy, welcome to Circleville, Ohio, Pickaway County Fairgrounds, right outside of the hometown of Bobby Fulton in Chug Ohio, and uh, I'm glad to be here, man, I'm glad to hear your voice again. And I think we got a great episode lined up, episode 14 with the JYD, the Junkyard Dog, and 10 reasons why we love them. I'm glad you didn't announce how long this may be because we might go over our 45-minute time limit that we normally try to set for this kind, of a, this kind of a podcast. But let me just put you in the right frame of mind before we give shout-outs and those type of things. The reason I picked the Pickaway County Fairgrounds, it's not too far from my home, it's a couple hours away, right outside Columbus, Ohio, and I picked it because I want you all to listen right now, and I know you are, and I appreciate the listeners, and here's the thing, Jeremy. We're doing JYD, Junkyard Dog, so it could be anywhere in the Mid-South. It could be anywhere in California. It could be anywhere in Kentucky. It could be anywhere in upstate New York or outside of New York City. Just a small town, just a venue. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine yourself as a younger version of yourself. Maybe you're 10, 12. I'm going to read something from someone that took the time to write me. They were seven when he first got to see J-Y-D. But anyway, what I want you to do, we're going to bring that small town feeling back to you. If you looked at our picture that I posted is Bobby Eaton myself in this past May at Bobby Fultz Retirement Show from the Pickaway County Fairgrounds. I wrestled there many times, and so did JYD. Bobby used to bring in some really good guys, uh, top talent from back in the day, and I worked there for the first time in 1993. I'm going to take you back to that place. So I picked Pickaway County Fairgrounds fairgrounds rather, with uh, Jeremy under the premises of, it could be your National Guard armory, It could be your high school, but you're not at the uh, Olympic Olympic Auditorium. You're not at the Superdome. You're not the uh, Mid-South Coliseum. You're just somewhere in a small town, and the wrestlers are coming to your area, and it's the same guys you see on TV every week, and they are the closest thing you're going to see to real-life TV stars. Skin color, muscle size, um, talking styles, body styles, ethnic back. It doesn't matter where they're from, the wrestlers came to your town at one point or another, give or take 10, 12, 15 miles, and you got to go to that small town atmosphere. And the first time that I walked into the Pickaway County Fairgrounds, as mentioned, was for a show for Bobby Fulton, and Rugged Ronnie Garden was on a show. The Iron Sheik was on the show. Junkyard Dog was on a show, along with a bunch of locals, And also Bobby Fulton and his brother, George, who wrestled as the Patriot over in Japan. Uh, The mummy, who wasn't the mummy at the time, Rob Macy, was doing a sheet gimmick. Just so many young, talented guys blended in with the veterans. And Bobby used to sell a lot of tickets at the Pickaway County Fairgrounds. So just imagine your local high school or your National Guard armory or the venue in your small town. And just go there for a moment, think back to the first time you went to a smaller show. And maybe nowadays, it's equivalent to an independent show, such as Bobby Randall's Fan Fest, his retirement show there back in May. Um, I was having some eye problems, but I did go to the Fan Fest, and I met so many good fans and so many friends that came by just to see me. But they also got to see the Warlord, or excuse me, the Barbarian, Bill Eden, Mass Superstar, Tommy Wildfire Rich, Tracy Smothers, Bobby Eaton, uh, Bill Dundee, Bobby Fulton, Jim Cornette. They got to see all these great stars at a local venue. So that's where we'll come from this week, Jeremy. So thanks for having me back. As your, um, you say star, you know what, man, I'm just like you. We're doing a podcast because we love doing podcasts. We love podcasts. And more importantly than that, we love pro wrestling. So, thanks for the introduction. I'll quit rambling. I'll let you go on with what we're going to go on to next. And uh, welcome again to episode 14 JYD, Junkyard Dog, and Why We Love Him. So, that's why we have the small town feel, the small town feel to our show.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I've said before on the show that I love studio wrestling because it's such an intimate venue. Here locally or semi-locally, about an hour, hour and a half away from me, a promotion called APW All Pro Wrestling over in Hayward. And they run their shows in a garage. And your your seats are not far from the ring. You are so close to the few times I've been, wrestlers were spitting on the back row, <laughs> row of the crowd because that's how close you were. And I like smaller, more intimate things, and also um, I think it's appropriate that we come from a smaller venue when we're talking about a guy like Junkyard Dog who would pack him into a house, small or large, regardless of the venue, but when you got to go to your high school and see somebody like him wrestle, you were seeing, like you said, a star so close you could just about touch their boot when they were in the ring.
1: Yep. And Isn't it awesome?
0: That's a special thing. I saw uh, John Lee Hooker play about two months before he died in Santa Cruz. And if I would stuck my arm out, the security guard would have broken my arm, but I could have touched his foot.
1: Man. Yeah. See, that's the thing. And that, and here's the thing. As a former performer and professional wrestler and being a fan of whether it be professional wrestling or, as you mentioned, John Lee Hooker, music man, just being that close to it, it just brings the reality of, man, I'm that fucking close, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the reality of these are people that you looked up to, care for, admire, respect, whatever, it's just that, that, that intimate crowd, man, that interaction that you don't get at a bigger uh, box office, if you will, but man, when you when those guys come to your town, like you said, whether it's music with Jolly Hooker or, or professional wrestling with JYD, those people got to be up close and personal with some of the biggest stars in the world, man. And that's, that's just a great, intimate feeling, man. That, yeah, that's thanks.
0: You, you cannot beat that. Um, this week, we are going to be talking about Junkyard Dog and the 10 yeah. reasons we love him. But as usual, we got a couple things we want to cover before we do that. So, Bobby, you want to start us off?
1: Yep, sure. i got a couple shout-outs. Um, some of these are going to be coming up later on in the show, but I just want to make sure I, I want to read three different – actually, I want to read three different things. One's from – a uh, shout-out to Adam Price as to why he loved Junkyard Dog. It was he he talked about, you know, um breaking into the business and and he put hashtag thump and another one bites the dust and BBBB, and, BB and we're gonna come up with a theme for that pretty soon with you know, we we talked about a little bit off the air for our uh followers. We appreciate that. Robert Silva, I wanna appreciate you for mentioning something we're gonna bring up in a top ten. Uh Junkyard Dog doing an interview from his hospital bed uh about his baby girl. And here's the thing, Jeremy, I saved back for you. Mid South fans flooded the office by sending hundreds of dollars through the mail to JYD. That's a loving hero. So, Robert Silva, thanks for sharing that. Remember, I told you I had someone, had, yep. I didn't know that before you asked me off the air. And if you're a Patreon, eventually we're getting there. Believe me, we're getting there, folks. But uh, we appreciate you. But, Robert, sent that out that uh fans I didn't know it until he wrote it and Jeremy asked me in a in a pre-podcast if I knew people actually took the time to put dollar bills in envelopes and send them to JYD. I did not until a couple of days ago. So I had to had to kind of kayfabe Jeremy, if you will, that no I did not know that. Um which I didn't until a couple of days ago. Thank you, Robert. And what I'd like to do is um also send a shout out to uh Mike Mills. And Mike, I have something I'll read that he wrote But I'm going to wait until I um, get to that portion of the show to read something that uh, Mike Mills from Booking the Territory. If you're a fan of this show, go listen to Booking the Territory. We don't shit on other people's podcasts. Go listen to Booking the Territory with Mike Mills and Doc and Harper and those guys. Go listen to Jim Cornette Experience. Go listen listen to whatever the fuck you want to listen to because you know what? We don't care who you listen to. We're just glad you're listening to us, and we're not going to shit on other people. Jeremy and I have done talked about that off the air. So, Mike, thanks for sending something personal. I'm going to read it just a little bit. But go listen to some other podcasts as well, man, because um, people don't understand. And I told a friend of mine this weekend, it's all about helping each other and helping each other get over. And it's, it, that, that's the thing, man. So uh, thanks, Mike, for sending. Out. I'm reading just a little bit. But, yeah, that's my shout-outs to uh, Adam Price, uh, Robert Sylvia, and Mike Mills. That's what I have on mine um and then I'm going to tell you a story later on after you do your po- uh, your portion of your shout-outs, and we'll go into our top ten reasons why we love the Junkyard Dog. Ah.
0: Well, my only shout-out this week, I was going to do Adam Price because he kicked in some money to our GoFundMe, so I, I do want to say that, but it seems like uh, we're giving uh, Adam more airtime on our show than anybody else these days, so I'll just stop yep. after that. But I do want to give one big shout-out to the man called Sting, Thank you for coming as far west as Stockton, California, where I finally got a chance to meet one of my uh, lifetime heroes. It was awesome. Guys, if you are in a market and you see that one of your favorite wrestlers is coming soon, go ahead, take the time to go do it. Uh, I doubt you will be let down. I will always be upset that I missed uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Dusty Rhodes coming out here. So, you know, just wanted to throw that out there. And support your local uh, conventions as well.
1: Absolutely. Good deal. And I liked your picture you sent me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it much. was. That's
0: Meets thing. That's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. Um, but that is all I have for this week on the shout-outs.
1: We did get a shout-out and a mention from um, Kevin Von Eric. I appreciate that. And that's another reason just to go back to not trying to top your sting, just letting you know, hey, that's why we don't shit on people on this show. You never know who's listening. You never who's going to reach out. And Kevin Von Eric thanked us for mentioning him his family in the sportatorium in our last week's episode of greatest rivalries uh from the sportatorium so you know um man and i tell these guys on independent circuit all the time i went to a couple shows this past weekend go out and support your local independent wrestlers go out and support these conventions and man you got to meet sting man how cool is that i mean how fucking cool is that you sent me a personal text with with that picture, and I, and I, I like pop for it. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. to me, that makes that makes my my heart happy. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. Man, thanks for sharing that story with us. That you got to meet Sting, and, and he he went as far west as like you said, what Stockton, California. Yep. Uh, so man, good deal, man. Good for you. Good on you.
0: It was it was awesome. Yeah, and, and do support your local wrestling shows, Bobby. Can I take a, a a moment to address something I saw Rip Rogers write on Twitter this week?
1: Please do.
0: Uh, he put up a thing, and I believe it was the night of SummerSlam, about you know, if, if all you're doing is watching wrestling to, is to bitch and complain about something, you know, go do something else with your time. What I want to say is if you don't like the wrestling you see on TV, I can almost guarantee you that there's something going on in your local market somewhere with independent shows and other choices. You can always get the Fight app on Roku or on your phone. Guys keep in mind there is a flourishing independent scene out there right now huge huge one and if you don't like what you're seeing on TV stretch your stretch your arms out just a little bit there's something else out there that you will like um, you know I, I talked to an actor from England a couple weeks ago for my other podcast the geekish cast and he is just now because of the WWE network getting to see NWA wrestling from the 80s. Go ahead. There's there's shit going on. It is a bigger wrestling market than we've had in the last 30 years right now. So I want to encourage you, you know, support your local wrestlers, support your local uh, promoters, support your local musicians, support your local comic book artists. Get out, find where the artists are in your community that you're into, check them out, and, and give them a little patronage. And that's that's my little public service announcement for the week.
1: And I agree. Not 100, but 1,000%. Get your ass out there. Don't don't watch. I'm not discouraging you from watching WWE, Impact, or Ring of Honor. I going to say this. If you are watching it and all you want to do is piss and moan and bitch about what you see on TV, get your ass out to an independent show. I don't care for the Comic-Con. The fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight, comics, artists. I don't care if it's a fucking mime. I don't care if it's a clown, a street performer, whatever. Man, support those people. Support the people that are out there busting their ass on independent shows. They're out there. I went to two one Saturday. I'm old, decrepit, beat up, fucked up, whatever. And I went to two separate independent shows within probably an hour of each other. One I went to, made a personal appearance. I hung out from uh two until like five, left that show, made the other one by six thirty, got there at seven, hung out, just talked to my buddies. I only watched the main event, the guys that's working on an independent show, some guys I hadn't seen for a while. Man, those guys were so awesome just to see. Um, you know, get your asses out there, quit complaining, bitching, moaning about what you see on TV. If you don't like it, turn the fucking channel. You don't like the podcast, don't fucking listen. But here's the thing, we're, we're asking you, if you do like it, do listen, do support us, and also do support, whether it's a guitar player, a drummer, a bass player, uh, a band, an artist, a mime, a clown, a fucking street performer, uh, whoever it may be, man, just get out there and show your love and support. Because, you know, let me tell you a story real quick, Jeremy, and I know I'm rambling. That's all Fuck, right. Fuck, I always ramble, but here's the thing. And this go kind of with our, our GoFundMe, and I'm not asking people for a dime. Adam, thanks for kicking in. Everyone else has kicked in. Thank you very much. But here's the thing. Jeremy and myself, we're not on a street corner begging for money. We're not saying, oh, we're disabled veterans. We're not lying. We're not deceiving. We're not trying to work you out of a dime. No, we're out here telling you this, or at least I am. I had a guy one time say, hey man, buy my DVD. It's only $5. I'm like, what is it? He goes, it's my independent movie. And I'm like, $5? Give it to me. I give the guy
2: $5.
1: Now, I'm not saying, was this the greatest movie I've ever seen? No, it's not The Godfather. It's not Apocalypse Now or or Star Wars or anything. But uh, yes, 45 minutes of this guy doing his thing. And I I watched it because I gave $5 for it. I'm like, it's sitting over in a pile. But the point is this. He said, buy my movie for $5. $5 wasn't going to break me on that particular day. But $5 probably built that guy up. Whether he's a one or 100, that may have financed his next film. So $5 to go to a wrestling show as local or to see a local performer or a local band or to get into a comic con or to, to to buy a wrestler's picture or, or a musician, magician, mime, clown, whatever, and I'm running out of fucking uh, <laughs> people there. I'm just saying, the bottom line is this. $5 won't break you, but it might help build up that other person. Now, what would become of that guy? I don't know. Hell, he might have bought $5 worth of beer. And you know what? More power to him if he did. Yeah. I wasn't broke after the $5, but hopefully it built him up for him making his next film. And a fact was this. He wasn't bumming. He had something to offer. So buy my fucking books. Uh, Be a patron on the the, uh, podcast. Donate to the GoFundMe. I don't know where I'm going with it. I'm just saying, man, support your local artists, no matter what their art is.
0: Yeah. Give till it
1: hurts. (laughs) No, no, no. Remember what we talked about. Jeremy (laughs) and I talked about this back in February. Don't give till it hurts. You know what? Give till it helps. And I told someone that back in Thanksgiving. And I I ain't bitching, moaning, complaining, nothing. I'm just telling you straight shoot. These people that I was sitting down, I was drinking a cold beer, getting ready to have a dinner with. And I said, you know what? I was talking to a guy the other day. And Jeremy and I didn't even know each other that well at that point. And I said, off the top of my head I just said you know what don't give till it hurts give till it helps this guy who has a PhD and his son was sitting there with his wife and I just happened to be company long eating a dinner and they said man that's profound and I said no it's just the way I feel don't give till it hurts give till it helps so anyway in February Jeremy and I both were having a rough month I won't mention for what reasons and what not but the bottom line was, and that's that's just that, Jerry, hope you don't mind me saying that, no. that we came up with, give till it helps. I don't care who you're helping. Reach out and help someone. Show your love. Show your kindness for another human being. And I'll get off my fucking high horse. I'll get off my soapbox. I'll get off my rant. And I'm going to fucking, you know what? I've got a roof over my head. I've got a bed to sleep in. And I've got this and I've got that. And I don't have a lot, but what I do have is enough. And that's all I need. And I'm going to still continue to not give till it hurts. I'm going to continue to give till it helps. The least of these sometimes give to those that have the most of these. We're not asking for a dime. We're just telling you, give till it helps. I'm sorry. That's the preacher and me, and I'm not even a fucking preacher. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry to eat up so much time. Fuck me. Save me. Whatever the fuck you want to do. I'm just telling you, man, we're just two guys that love podcasts. We're 20 minutes into it, and I apologize, but fuck. God damn, I get fired up about these podcasts, Jeremy. Just Ah. give until it fucking helps, man. That's all.
0: Well, I can tell I'm going to need you to distract you with something shiny right please now. Please so, do, please so, do. Speaking of which, everybody out there, this show <laughs> this show is, uh, there are promotional considerations. I want you to consider buying these following books, Pin Me, Pay Me by Bobby Blaze and also by Bobby Blaze. I kicked out on too, The Education of a Wrestler. I've made finding them on Amazon really easy. TinyURL.com slash BlazeBook1. TinyURL.com slash BlazeBook2. Check them out, if you like Bobby's stories, a lot of them or there's some crossovers there's stuff in these books that aren't aren't going to make it into this show, and there's stuff on the show that didn't make it into those books. so do yourself a favor you know you get to hear stories from a guy who lived the life who walked the walk who who also is now talking the talk. There's great shit in here. I'm asking you to check them out. That being said, shall we go to our main event?
1: Yes, we should, and I apologize. Man, I'll just just, uh, go on forever. That's why you got to reel me back in, ref. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. So, real quickly, last week we talked, sadly, about a couple people's deaths. And I had a great Jim Nodhart story. I couldn't share the time because I said something along the lines of uh, we mentioned – uh, Jim and I Hart, I mentioned, uh, doc Dean from over in England. You mentioned Aretha Franklin. Franklin. Mm-hmm. There was a brief pause after Jim and I Hart. Let me just tell you a really brief story. It's going to lead into a junkyard dog top 10. So my brother got on me. I was at this family get together the other day and he said, man, I can't believe you didn't say it. He's a chaplain for hospice. And I was like, man, it just wasn't the right time. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So here's your good Jim and I story real quick. Rest in peace, Jim Neidhart. But I was over in Australia and I was on this tour, Wrestle Riot. And so, for some odd reason, myself, Mark Mercedes, and a got named Greg Smith were the rookies. I'd been working a couple of years full of time at Time Day Was rookies. They come over from Australia, trained at Malenko, blah, blah, blah. We're working in a town outside of Sydney, Australia. We flew everywhere Perth, Melbourne, uh, uh, all over Australia. I can't name all the fucking cities, states, Adelaide, or whatever. But the last, one of the last tours or dates that we had, everyone took a bus, and there was two buses. And on this bus in the back row, and every tour, they had two big old things, 55-gallon uh, buckets full of beer on ice. They had Victoria's Bitter, they had Foster's. And anyway... We had this little, small driver named Jeffrey, probably about 25 at the time, little, timid Australian guy, super nice guy, do anything thing in the world for you. We're all, myself and Mark and Greg, as I said, we got stuck to where we had to ride the, fa- the bus with the guys that were taking the photos, which were all former WWF champions, or not champions, but stars off TV at the time. So in the back of the bus, we had Don Morocco. Who who had been a big star over in Australia at the time, and also or at one time, and also WWF TV. And Junkyard Dog was back here with them, and they had loaded their bags down with beer on ice. Sitting behind me was was Jake the Snake Roberts, telling me stuff. Bobby this, Bobby that. and I'm listening because I'm absorbing everything Jake fucking has to say. And Greg and 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 Mark are sitting across from me. Common denominator between all this was Jim D'Amico nightheart So, what was so wild about it was only about two hours outside of Sydney, everyone loaded up with, you know, just a shitload of beer, and I remember Junkyard Dog sitting in the back along with Don Morocco, and this little timid driver sitting in the front. Now, this bus is not a huge bus. It probably holds about probably 10 people at the most, and there's already, like I've already mentioned, probably eight on there, including the driver. So... Junkyard Dog and Don Morocco. They've been back here, and they're hammering beers. They've probably been hammering since you know had photo shoots and this and that. Jake Roberts with my ear, Bobby, and he's telling me stories, and where, I'm just, I'm just eating it up. It's, it's, it's great. Junk, or uh, excuse me, uh, Jim Nyhart is sitting a couple rows back. Junkyard Dog and Don Morocco is like, hey Jeffrey, pull the bus over. We got to piss. <laughs> and Jim Nyhart stands up walks to the front of the bus and grabs that little pole that you hold before you step down into the step. And he starts, and I wish you could see me. He starts grabbing his beard, and he goes, Jeffrey, and it turns from a work or having a good time, just drinking some few beers, uh, doing whatever. There was other stuff involved, I'm sure. Uh, The statute of limitations (laughs) run out, but I'm just saying. Uh, Jake handed me something, I took it. He said, do you know? And I was like, no, but I do now. Thanks, fucked up, Whatever. And the Australian boys were young; they're like twenty, twenty-one. I'd been in a business a few years. I'd been working full time at that time uh, for a few years, et cetera, et cetera. Them guys all been off WWF TV, but Jeffrey's this little timid driver, and he's like, he starts swerving over to like pull off because JYD and Morocco are going, hey, pull over, we got to piss, and it turns into a shoot. Jim Nighthart stands up, grabs that fucking pole. Starts rubbing his hand through his beard like he does at goatee, and he goes, Don't you pull this fucking bus over. Don't do it. This little Australian, I, I wish you could see me just uh, acting out like a mime. He's driving, he's like, He don't know whether to listen to the big, the two big strong motherfuckers in the back. I'm just laughing. The two Australian guys sitting across from me, they're like fucking timid as hell. Jake Roberts laughing my here, going, watch this. You know, it's getting intense. And I'm like, yeah, my buzz is getting very intense. But Nighthart is grabbing his beard, going, don't you fucking stop this bus. Don't you do it, Jeffrey. Don't you do it. And they're going, hey, man, we got to piss. And Jim Nighthart. Is going. His whole argument is this. Now, I understand he played for USC. He played for the Oakland Raiders. I remember when he first broke a business seeing him down in Tennessee, which I, anyway, he goes, Do you know me wrestlers died on the fucking side of the road taking a piss? Do you know me fucking wrestlers died just taking a piss? A car door could hit you. Someone can reach out and a swing at the car door and hit you. And cars swerved. Don't you pull this fucking bus over. You got this little guy that's just designated to be a driver, probably thinking, man, I've watched these guys on TV for fucking years. I'm lucky to be. There was a, a, a resort management guy there. There was a rock and roll guy there promoting the shows and stuff. But the funniest thing was, Nightheart. Here I am on a, another continent, not even the United States. I want Australia with. Junkyard Dog, Don Morocco, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, two Australian guys, myself, a little timid driver that's just happy to fucking be driving a tour bus at that time. This only time we fucking took a bus the whole tour with with. Jim Neidhart grabbing his beard in character because that was him. He wasn't working. He was shooting. That was just him. And he was like, do you know how many wrestlers died on the side of the road taking a piss? Don't you pull this fucking bus over. And everyone's sitting there, and Jake whispered, watch this. It's getting intense. Well, my buzz going on, I'm like, fuck, it's already intense. <laughs> and, of course, them guys all worked together back in the day, back in WWF at the time. And, and them guys trying to get at Neidhart, one of them being Don Morocco, the other leading into the top ten, junkyard dog one, hey man, pull the bus over, I got a piss, and pretty much Jim Nightheart blocking the door, threatening a driver who's probably 125 pounds soaking fucking wet, going, don't you pull this fucking bus over, do you know how many wrestlers have died on the side of the road taking a piss, which I have no idea, I don't care, but that's my heart minute, my Nightheart moment, I couldn't bring myself to it because when I see and hear about these wrestlers dying, it makes me realize, I guess, my own mortality, if you will. But anyway, JYD is no longer with us. Uh, uh, Jim Nightheart's is no longer with us. And I want to lead that into our top ten reasons why we love episode 14, The Junkyard Dog. And I hope you enjoyed that story about Jim Nighthawk. Rest in peace. But it was funny as fuck. It was scary as fuck, and he was serious as fuck. Don't pull that fucking bus over, and he's in pulling a fucking gimmick, the goatee down, going, don't you fucking pull this bus over, man. And oh, uh, we man. didn't pull over till we got to Sydney back at the hotel, and everyone was looking at him, and he stood there, grabbing his goatee, rubbing it, pulling it down, watching, eyeballing everyone else get off that fucking bus. <laughs> like... Everyone knew, ah, don't fuck with him, man, don't pull the fucking bus over, don't mention you got a piss, this shit's over, it's done, Grab your beer, grab your gear, get off the fucking bus. Night hard to get off when he wants to fucking get off, and he wasn't about to get off on the side of a fucking road. (laughs) So, anyway, there's my night hard story. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's get into the top ten, Jeremy. Sorry, but... Hey, no problem. Sorry, that's the thing. Sorry, not sorry. Had to share it with you.
0: Yeah, I just... I Um, Also, I know that Don Morocco lived in Santa Cruz, California for a while. Yeah. So, I have to assume he had a high THC level in his system during this time as well.
1: (laughs) I don't know about any funny smells on that bus whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know anything, man. I don't know nothing other yeah. than what I told you. <laughs> well,
0: I I lived over there for ten years, so I I can I can just safely make oh, assumptions, and we'll forever. leave it that
1: way. You can safely say this: there was high <laughs> levels of everything on that bus. Oh shit, and Jake was the seat behind me and said, Bobby, open your mouth. And when I did, it wasn't a dick. So go ahead and get that out of your mind. But he said, here, slip this under your tongue. I did. (laughs) And, um, you know, once we got back to Sydney... Uh, that's have been colors ever
0: since, yeah.
1: But, yeah. So, anyway, that's my trip, man. But the fact is, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff on that little bus. But I do recall Jim Neidhart said, don't you pull this bus over, Jeffrey. Tell me if I can wrestle on the side of the road pissing Jeffrey. And everyone else sitting there going, yeah, well, I ain't getting out of my seat to say anything about it. I'll sit yeah. here the whole distance to get back to Sydney.
0: <laughs> I'd, I'd probably pee on the floor of the bus before pissing
1: off Jim Neidhart. Exactly. That's yeah. my point. Thank you. So yeah. yeah, there was chemicals involved, but yeah, whatever. We was drinking beer. Yep.
0: <laughs> and you don't really drink beer; you just kind of rent it. <laughs> i got to, sometimes, we're, we're cutting into the show here really bad, but there was um, a, there and
1: was there, there one was, was thing, people want 60 minutes, they want 90 minutes, we're going to, we're already 30 minutes into it, <laughs> we're going to try to give you a top 10 in the next 30 minutes to keep us under an hour, but yeah. I can't guarantee it, because that damn Jeremy will not stay on topic, and will not be quiet about all this other stuff.
0: I used to have to go to Norman, <laughs> Oklahoma once or twice a year for uh, work stuff. And uh, my my grandmother's actually from Norman so I was kinda you know wanted to get out and see things while I was there but what I didn't realize is that the beer in Oklahoma unless you get it at a liquor store is real pissy it's
2: 2.3%.
0: <sighs> so there's a night you know I drank while I was there quite a bit but you know like the last night I'm there you know everybody stayed up late and drank as late as the bar's stay open and I drank 38 beers. Holy that's, shit. That's what it took to get drunk. <laughs> The problem was, is after beer number twenty two, I literally had to pee every ten minutes. Literally, I'm like I could set my watch by it. Fork,
1: man, it's yeah, gonna go. That's it.
0: So you know that's that's my big complaint about Oklahoma. But um you, you can't get drunk without almost peeing <laughs> your pants.
1: Oh, man, that's good stuff, man. Yeah.
0: But with all that, that said, let's uh, let's try to get to this. I think we were here to do a top ten list at some. Point. Yes, we were, and we yeah. hope you've
1: enjoyed the stories that Jeremy and I share with you, the memories shared with you. But again, this is episode fourteen, JYD, ten reasons why we love the junkyard dog, and you're with Jeremy Vilmer and Bobby Blaze at the Geekish Cast at Bobby Blaze seven forty four at Bell to Bell Blaze, and we welcome you if you just now joined us or if you lived through those stories. Please try to survive the next fucking 10, top 10 reasons why we love the Junkyard Dog. So oh, let's man. go with number 10, Jeremy. Start us off. Yeah, please.
0: absolutely. Number 10, Thump. So, Bobby, I'm going to let you let you dig in on that one. But Thump is tied quite heavily to Junkyard Dog, not just from being on his tights, but other things as well. So now, please, uh, illuminate for us, if you would, the relevance of the
1: word Thump. Just that word thump, man, is like that. It was that like beat, and I'll let you go on in just a second about the the next one. Mm-hmm. But it was it was on his pants, thump, thump. You know, just T H U M P, and you're like, what? You knew what it meant when you saw the back of his tights that said thump, or down a thigh of his tights that said the thump, and you also knew he had that move, the big thump, when he picked you up, and we're gonna get on into all this. But when he picked you up, he done that big body slam. And it was just thump, and it was. Thump, thump, thump. Jeremy, I believe you're number nine, because oh, you yeah. know why. Thump, thump, thump. dun 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 And that's yeah, number that's, nine. Take us to it, brother. Yeah,
0: well, number nine is Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. It was written by, Roger, uh, by John Deacon. I almost said Roger Taylor. It was written by John Deacon, the bassist of Queen, and it came out in 1980 on their album The Game. In pro wrestling, when you heard that opening bass line, and, and now forever in my head, when I think of it, I hear Bobby saying thump, thump, thump to the bass line, but when that song hit, the Junkyard Dog was coming to the ring, and somebody was getting thumped. Yep. Um, it, it's an unmistakable beat. It was really, that song, I think, was one of the uh, the biggest hits of 1980, and it stayed on the top five list in the UK longer than any song that year. Mm-hmm um of course i I've told everybody before, but for people that haven't heard it, a lot of black stations in America played it because they thought Queen was a black group by just by the sound of that song yeah, uh it's kind of like when Tom Jones and Elvis first met, they both expect to meet black guys
1: <laughs> oh wow I mean my, my grandmother was a Tom Jones fan, and my mom was an Elvis fan, so that's really cool, but yeah, yeah I thought man. That's the thing. And if somebody's going to run together, we're not trying to, you know, push you for time. But so Thump was number 10. Another One Bites the Dust was number nine. Breaking in at number eight is Barking in Promos. JYD would bark at his promos, and that's going to kind of lead into number seven as well. We kind of try to put a combo on all these, man, just so you know, because so many people did write in. We mentioned a couple earlier that wrote in about that. And that, that Barking in his promos, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Jeremy. Come out what with the uh, junk wagon with some chains around him. Uh, we'll get into as to where or excuse me how he become one of the biggest stars in the mid south and and all that in just a minute. But so we got Thump as number ten. Another one bites the dust by Queen at number nine, and barking in his promos at number eight. Which when he came out pushing that cart, what you call it the junk wagon? The junk wagon. He had those chains around him which eventually he turned into number seven which he had a dog collar how many fucking wrestlers this before the road warriors wore those big thick collars guys junkyard dog had that fucking dog collar that big thick dog collar around his neck with the chains and a junk wagon so we kind of combined 10, 9, 8, and 7 together. Go ahead and comment, Jeremy, if you'd like. Oh, sure, we'll absolutely. We'll go to 7 eventually, but, uh, or number 6 rather, but number 7, the dog collar the chains. He was the junkyard dog. Yeah, well, I was just kind of... Jim Croce type thing.
0: Well, I was going to say, uh, Bill Watts had the idea based on the Jim Croce song, Bad, Bad, Leroy Brown. Um and and they built this package for him where he came out with chains around him. He was the junkyard dog because I I guess Sylvester Ritter worked in a wrecking yard at some point or he did when he first broke into wrestling. So they went with the junkyard dog as his character. Also early in his career when he came out, he was pushing a shopping cart full of garbage or junk basically. And so it was the junk wagon with the chains. Eventually, when he started to get over, he quit pushing the junk wagon and switched to a dog collar with chains.
1: Yeah, right on, man.
0: Yeah, which would become important later. But it was all these things, you know, the, the thump as yep. as a theme on his costume. Another One Bites the Dust is an entrance theme that, as you do when you do the baseline, that thumps its way through. The barking and the promos, which just reinforces the dog side of the junkyard dog, and then the dog collar with the chains, which makes him look mean. Now, the thing about the junkyard dog that allowed him to get over in some ways is that while they could play him as this big, strong, tough badass, he didn't look threatening. Yeah. He, he was scary in the ring, but your grandma wanted to give him a hug too. Yep. And and so they kind of had this perfect package of this badass, super strong guy who at the same time, you know, you, everybody wanted a hug and cuddle up to. So it was a nice overall package. And, yeah, those things all kind of run together, so I wanted to reiterate as we as we covered that.
1: Yep, and before we head into number six, just so people know, he did break in with Jerry Jarrett down in Tennessee, eventually over at Nick Goul- uh promotion, so he kind of jumped around Tennessee using different names. You all can fact-check that. Mm-hmm. But then he went to Stampede, and from yep. Stampede, that's where he went to the Mid-South. And we went to Mid-South, that's where we'll get to eventually, where Bill Watts had an idea for him as to why he was bringing him in. And so before we jump into number six, just to finish up, you know, that was the thing. He was at... Big tough looking guy, but outside of ring also he was that big lovable. Like you said, your grandmother wanted to give the guy a fucking hug. Man, he was getting over already, and that's going to take us to number six. Uh, which, if you want to bring it up, Jeremy, or I will. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's up to you. How do you want to introduce this number six? Well, we got to combine number six together again yeah. with, with a reason.
0: Yeah. So number six is his feud with Ted Debussy. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry,
1: DiBiase. DiBiase. Yes.
0: And coming, well, and then his friend Stagger Lee having to come out.
1: Well, it was S. Lee Mm -hmm. that weighed 150 fucking pounds that came out against, when the feud began with uh, uh, Ted DiBiase, one of those things where before Stagger Lee actually came out, S. Lee, 150 pounds from somewhere in Virginia, came out, and they enrolled, and I had to rewatch this, so it was a fact-check thing. They enrolled it, and it said S. Lee is Stagger Lee. And take over, Jeremy, because I have something to read from our good friend Mike Mills. Sure. Once you bring up the Stagger Lee, I want to read this. It's very important. Uh, but but please give us our DiBiase feud with Stagger Lee. Well, yeah. So DiBiase
0: and Junkyard Dog were a tag team, and to have a good wrestling story, your tag team partner eventually has to shit on you. So DiBiase turned on Junkyard Dog, and it uh, culminated in a basically a loser-leave-town match. And then a mysterious figure, S. Lee, or Staggerly, as he is called, comes out to feud with Ibiasi. Now, Staggerly was a song that was uh, pretty heavily used throughout the blues days. You can hear 10 million different versions of it, mm. uh, and I encourage you to do so. But save the Nick Cave one for last, because it goes to a dark place. Mm. But Bobby, with that being said, anything you want to add in there?
1: Yes. This is Mike Mills. One of our good friends were booking the territory, and again, I'm giving a shout-out, Mike, but I appreciate you taking the time. I notified Mike the other day, uh, a week ahead of time, said I'd like to get a memory, you know, if you'd share this. Now, Mike is from over in New Orleans, and he shared he shared this with me, and it, he said, I know you've got staggerly mentioned. But that's my one huge memory and first great memory as a seven-year-old in 1992. Ted DiBiase turned on Dog. Dog come back as the masked Stagger Lee. I was only seven. I knew it had to be a dog. But when you're only seven, you're not 100% sure. Now, I'm breaking this. That's that's what Mike said. Think back to that small building, that small arena, that small town feeling that we had when a superstar comes, he's on TV, and you get to see him in your local arena. This is from from a seven-year-old. I was only seven. Back to Mike. I knew it had to be the dog. But when you're only seven, you're not 100% sure. I will never forget watching TV that Saturday afternoon when S. Lee came out as Ted DiBiase laughed waiting for S. Lee to come out. Dog as Stagger Lee. Hit the ring and clean's house. The Irish McNeil's Boys Club went nuts. I was going nuts watching on my mom's black and white TV. The dog had been screwed over by DiBiase, but he was about to get back at DiBiase as Staggerly. I was hooked. Again, I was seven. We talked about that moment for years. Staggerly eventually won the North American title, but we were hooked long before that. It's hard to explain to people that didn't live it, but JYD was most of our first sports heroes if you came up in the 70s and early 80s in South Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. He united kids of different races, white, black, purple, etc. We all could relate to the dog. And yes, another one bites the dose. Dust probably was the first song I ever went nuts over. Mike, thanks for sharing that with us. But that ties in what we was talking about right there, that DiBiase feud and Stagger Lee, man. And, and man, does that not sum it up, some of the stuff we're heading to with, with what we're heading to in our top five once we get there? Man, how can you explain that other than the way Mike explained it? He lived it. He lived it, seeing Stagger Lee as a seven-year-old kid. That's why we came from a small-town arena or a small-town armory or high school or Pickaway County Fairgrounds or somewhere out in Louisiana that those guys would show up at that you saw on TV. Those were heroes to you. And a seven-year-old questioning, even me questioning at 14 or 15, the uh, midnight rider or whatever, is that really him? And you know it is, but you don't. You know, so Junkyard Dog, Stagger Lee, there you go. That came in at number six, and I don't know how we could ever fucking, Mike, thank you very much. Again, go listen to in the Territory, along with any of your other favorite podcasts. But thank you for listening to our podcast. Go to number five, unless you have something to finish up with.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I've never actually seen any reason to believe that Stagger Lee was Junkyard Dog. I, so I don't
1: understand
0: <laughs> where you guys are coming from with that. But we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to number five. Oh, that's great. That's great, yeah. man.
1: See, that's why you love pro wrestling, and that's why it brings people together. Exactly,
0: exactly. So, number five, and I don't have a properly written headline for it, so I'm just going to go with tremendous upper body strength and by being able to body slam much bigger men. Uh, and I think you have a little illustration for us a- as we go as well, but uh, the Junkyard Dog could body slam guys that were several hundred pounds, you know, even above his own weight, you know, guys like the One Man Gang. Um, but, Bobby, I believe you have a gym story about him as well.
1: Yep, just wanted to add that, you know, on that tour of Australia, uh <laughs> what's funny was fucking Nightheart was over there, them guys were warming up like three hundred and fifteen pounds on a bench press, and Nightheart was over there benching like four oh five for a couple reps, three five, whatever. Junkyard dog sat down underneath the lap pull down machine and put as much weight as you could on there, whichever the the four or five hundred pounds that you could stick the key in add the weight to or whatever he went to grab it we're on it we had been this this dusky old gym the day before there was a ring there there was punching bags heavy bags etc more of a boxing type thing but then we got to go to this nicer gym the next day and and long story short night and morocco all these guys morocco was doing cardio at the time uh, uh, Jake Roberts, uh, who knows what he was doing at the time, but in the gym, you know, Nyhart's over there pumping out like 405, like an, a normal guy punch out the fucking bar, or at least 135. Junkyard dog, put the weight on his for a warm up now, folks. Warm up. Nyhart's going, come over here and bench with me. He goes, I'll be there in a minute, all. I, I can't do junkyard dog. He goes, I gotta do some pull downs first. Push the key in there goes to pull the lap bar down, and as he does, snaps the fucking cable because he has every fucking weight on the lap pull-down machine that's available that's not used by Nightheart who's bench pressing the 405, pulls the lap bar down, has his legs underneath the thing, pulls it down, the fucking cable snaps JYD, takes a fucking back pump, rolls back up, looks to see if anyone sees him. Of course, there's always the boys in the gym, or all the boys in the gym at the time. It looks around like, what the fuck was that? The fucking weight slammed down, but he has so much fucking weight on a lap pull down bar, he snapped the cable that was holding it together at this gym. And it was just one of those moments where he took a fucking bump, did a back row out of the lap pull-down seat, stood up and looked, looked at it, Jim attendant come running over there like, you okay, okay, I get that, whatever, get off me, whatever, we're over there doing this. Morocco, like I said, is doing stair climber. a couple of us over doing this and that. And he goes uh, over there and he starts spotting uh, Jim Neidhart doing the 405. And his only warm-up is he broke the fucking lap pull-down machine and he climbs under it the 405 and starts pumping it out like it's a fucking regular. Like I said, it, it's so fucking strong, it's unreal. So he snaps the three or four hundred pound weight on the uh, pull-up, uh, the light pull-down machine, goes over and it's immediately. And hard at that point, like I said, is up to 405 because he warmed up 315. If you're familiar with weights at all, it's like you go from three plates to four plates. JYG's climb, JYD climbs under it, starts fucking pumping out refs at 405 like it's a fucking 135-pound warm-up. And you're thinking, God damn, how strong is this fucking machine? You know what I'm saying? He done broke the fucking lap pull-down, and he's warming up a 405 with a bench press. God Fuck damn. me running backwards, man. <laughs> That's some serious fucking strength. You yeah, know, so that that's my really story, is. but there's a backstage story. That's a straight shoot, broke the lap, pull down, maxed it out, warms up with 405 like it's fucking nothing. <laughs> so there you go. Upper body strength, that's what we'll call that. Or yeah. body slam strength, I don't know.
0: Yeah, see, I had trouble coming up with a headline for it, but number five was just, yeah, his incredible strength um, and, and body slams. But, yeah, okay, from there, let's go to... Him bringing kids into the ring after a match in the WWF. Yep. Connection with the kids, man. Yep. And uh, that's a big deal. I mean, it had to be huge for the kids. Had to have been.
1: Oh, you know? yeah, especially back in the day. And even like Mike mentioned, you know, for those seven-year-old kids back when he was back at the Mid-South, you know, just that connection. But you're talking about WWF at that time, was a fu- which it is now. We don't make digs on people and stuff. It's a fucking machine. Mm-hmm. And there he is. He was on a cartoon. He was in WrestleManias, Bigger than fucking life, going to the WWE, WWF time, whatever. But bringing kids into the ring, and it didn't matter as mike said black white purple etc it didn't matter he was making that connection with the kids man even you mentioned earlier grandmothers wanted to give the guy a fucking hug you know but so you go from seven or eight year old kids to teenagers to fucking greasy old grannies with holes in their panties man they wanted to fucking make that connection with the junkyard dog man and he did he he had that connection i mentioned before the story and there's i've mentioned at least two episodes i talked about extensively in my last episode how you made a connection with my own personal mother um you know coming into town after the australian tour i just mentioned but he had a way to connect with those kids man and he let them come into the ring with him and you talk about the power of junkyard dog uh this strong big old african-american black guy and he's bringing all these fucking kids into the ring to dance with them and do the whole thing man And they're on national TV, probably international back then still, but nonetheless, boom, 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 and whatever the WWF paid for him back in the day. But either way, it was just that connection he had with people, which is going to keep on leading us through, keep on leading us through. But that's number four, his connection with the kids and letting them get up in a ring and and, and dance with him and talk to him and interact with him, the human being. Yeah.
0: I'm a 45 year old man. And I almost wet my pants over meeting sting over the weekend, you know. (laughs) I can only imagine being a little kid and and getting pulled in the ring with a junkyard dog, especially if you're in an area where, you know, junkyard dog was junkyard dog. Uh, Like, you know, could you imagine Mike Mills being pulled in the ring with him? He might have fainted. Man, probably would have. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to take this moment as an aside to say that I I think it's funny that in the early 80s when Vince McMahon would get talent from somewhere else, he'd keep them in their exact gimmick they had wherever he hired them out of, right? Mm-hmm. So he'd keep the music, he'd keep the name, he'd keep the gimmick. But then you get up closer to the end of the 80s and everybody had to be a the something that Vince McMahon named, Because early on, if you were over, he wanted to steal you away to get his business over. But later, as it went, he decided his branding mechanisms were better than everybody else's. And so you get a a talent like Kurt Henning, and all of a sudden, he's just Mr. Perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. Dusty Rhodes being put in polka dots. But when he started, when he'd hire talent like Junkyard Dog, he knew he needed that character to get them over. So I, I just find it funny yeah. How much that has changed in the time since wrestling used to be about the wrestlers. Yeah, and Vince McMahon has made it about the company.
2: Yeah,
0: it, it would be like saying don't go, don't go, cheer for your team, cheer for the MLB.
2: <laughs> you know, and that's what it yeah. turned
0: into. Yeah. yeah, just to me, I just I wanted to point out the irony of that. That yeah. you know, when he hired everybody that was important out of the AWA, he didn't change one damn thing about them. Yeah. You know, and then when he went into Vern's territories, he was running opposition shows with Vern's talent in Vern's arenas on nights that Vern used to run. You know, and yeah. a few years later, there
1: was none of that. It was all branding done in house. As so. your Dog, uh, as he. J.V.D., as Iron Sheik would say. <laughs> he become, he was from Junkyard Dog, to J.V.D., let me tell you. You know, so he's still a baby face. He's still Sylvester Ritter. He's still a Junkyard Dog, but it went to uh, J.Y.D., you know. So, yeah. So, yeah, it goes right along with what you said. Vince had that marketing brand, man. He branded the market, or however you want to word it, but, you know, it's J.V.D., I tell you, you know, or whatever. Uh, the Iron Sheik and the rest of them all, you know, putting them over. Uh, but they went away from that kind of, a uh, uh, whole gimmick thing, man, uh, from, yeah, we'll change you from Car hitting to, Oh, now you're Mr. Perfect. You know, so that, that, that's pretty fucking awesome, man. Uh, mm-hmm. but that, that's what happened. And that, that, that's the thing. Like you said, you can't cha- cheer for your favorite NBA or NFL team. Or like you said, I think you said MLB, uh, you can't check, you can't cheer for the fucking, uh, uh, San Francisco Giants or the Baltimore Orioles or whatever. We want you cheering for the fucking Major League Baseball. You yeah. so know, I have a fucking favorite team, pal. You know, so it was almost like you can't have a favorite wrestler. We want you tra- We want you cheering for the entire company. So that's a good side note. I appreciate respect. Yep. that. Shout out to you. It's so good. Hats off to you. Well, thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank you. We all have our moments, right? We do. <laughs> you
0: know, there, there are thousands of hours of me on different podcasts talking on the Internet. I had to have something good come out of my mouth eventually.
1: Well, that's okay, because we yeah. had to have a break between number four and uh, and, and number three anyway, uh, so that's why we, we kind of – and I know that's why you kind of put that in there, too, because we're getting ready to transition to yep. our top three. And so we put a little bit of in there about that, and I appreciate the side notes because it's going to take us to number three, and I want you to – if you'd like to, you can read it or I will, either one. Um, but I had something from one of the fans that I gave a shout-out to, something he wrote – and uh, But you go ahead and lead us well, to number three if you want, or I will. Either way. I, I will set it up, and then
0: you can read. But that dastardly Michael P.S. Hayes and the fabulous Freebirds and their evil, evil hair cream blinded yep. the Junkyard Dog.
1: Yep. And so as I gave my shout-outs, one of them was from Robert Silva, and he put, yes, this was his favorite Junkyard Dog moment. It's with the Freebirds. They blinded him, and it said, yes. The week after the Freebirds blinded him, JYD did an interview from a hospital bed saying that he was blinded, and was unable to see his newborn baby girl. Mid-South fans flooded the office by sending thousands of dollars through the mail to help JYD. And I went back and watched that today where they put that in his eyes, and he man, he sold the fuck out of it, man. And um, so, yeah, that free bird. Um, I, and here's the other thing. His partner was Buck Robley. And I met Buck back, we done some shows way back in the late uh, 90s. And, and Buck actually booked me on a couple of shows. I did some shows in Georgia, and I didn't realize that that's who was doing the commentary, that's who, with with whoever the announcer was, I'm drawing a blank, but Buck was there, and Buck was his partner against the Freebirds when he blinded Junkyard Dog, or, or JYD. So yeah, uh, and he couldn't even see his little newborn baby girl, man. That's How they, they tear that apart, man. Your firstborn first born child, and you're in a hospital bed, in your eyes, and you're blinded for life, or so they say, or what have you, and you can't see your fucking baby, come on, man, who cannot get on board with that as far as, like, man, you talk about getting over, man, fuck the free birds. Freebirds, there's no bull rule, folks. We're going to do ten, and that's number three. The Freebirds, Michael PSA blinded the junkyard dog with that fucking hair cream, man. That hair cream got used a lot back then.
0: Uh, Michael Hayes was a hairy motherfucker, too. What do you think he had all
1: that <laughs> hair cream for? Uh, maybe the bras on the road. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of like the ether thing, they used it, you know it worked, so <laughs> you gotta get something over and hair cream was a thing, I guess, you know, guess, beware yeah. the nair, especially if you're JYD and can't see your own firstborn daughter from a hospital bed, man, well, and it, flooded it with fucking thousands of dollars to I, the mail.
0: I believe that
1: also really
0: set the Freebirds up to the point where they had to be escorted by police in and out of the building. Um, And it led to, if I I remember reading this correctly, it led to a blow-off match in a steel cage with Junkyard Dog and Michael P.S. Hayes in dog collars that were chained together.
1: Yes, and that's what I read as well. So I'm glad we both did research that. That's what it led to. So, yes, it did. And um, speaking of which, people having to leave the arena in the back of cars... I think DiBiase at one time had to leave the arena in the back of a car several times. Uh, The Freebirds had to escape with their lives, I guess, a couple of times, you know, back in the day, back in the Mid-South days and stuff. That's how beloved the Junkyard Dog was. So that's that's some good stuff, man. So, um, yeah. Can you imagine, man? That I guess the way I'm trying to word this, I am such a fan of professional wrestling. I'd much rather suspend my belief and sitting there watching on a Saturday morning or a Sunday, the junkyard dog, as sad as it is, being blinded and can't see his daughter, I'd buy into that storyline so much more, and it's so much more real to me, and that suspension of belief than anything I see on TV nowadays of, quote, don't slap me, Jeremy, sports (laughs) entertainment. Ah! I want to see professional wrestling, man. And if you use the word that starts with F, or sports entertainment, you know what? I hope you don't kiss your mother a fat fucking mouth, because I hate that fucking F word, and I hate fucking sports entertainment. But I do love professional wrestling. And to me, that's professional wrestling, man. They blinded the junkyard dog to where he couldn't even see his fucking firstborn daughter. That's terrible, dastardly.
0: <laughs> Michael P.S. Hayes you are a villain
1: yes yes. so let's go to number two how's that before we go off on another different fucking street car here <laughs> <laughs> let's go with this you asked me the question I looked it up you looked it up we both came up with our number two and our number one reasons is it okay we jump ahead now from number three with the free bird battle? yeah
0: absolutely okay absolutely.
1: let's do this Number 10, A Junkyard Dog, episode 14, Why We Love Him. Number 10, thump. Number 9, Another One Bites the Dust. Number 8, Barking in His Promos. Number 7, Dog Collar Chains, The Junk Wagon. Number 6, DiBiase Feud, Where Stagger Lee Come In. Number 5, His Upper Body Strength. Number 4, His Connection With The Kids And The Fans. Number 3, The Free Blinded Him, which is going to take us to number 2, which we had to i did fact check yes i just wanted to make sure was it was because junkyard dog was already over or was it because wast decided we mentioned i mentioned earlier about uh him breaking in and jared's promotion going to gulis's working up in stampede then coming to, to to the mid-south and 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 jyd was destined to be a star from the start And I'm reading this strictly from uh, Jim Cornette, who I have nothing but respect for. But it's from uh, Fighting Spirit Magazine, an article I read. Watts, quote, Watts had decided before JYD's first match in the area that he was to be a top star and had informed his booker, and close friend, Ernie Ladd, of that decision. One of Dog's first matches was to be in New Orleans against the Super Destroyer, Scott Irwin, a main event player. Lad phoned Watts the next morning, and here was the conversation. Lad, quote, Bill, your boy doesn't have it. To see what he could do, I put him 20 minutes through, time limit draw, with Irwin, and after five minutes, his tongue was hanging out like a red tie. He can't go. Watts, you're fired. Lad, and then what? Watts, you're fired. I didn't tell you to see what he couldn't do. I told you to see what he can do. He should have beaten Irwin in three minutes. You're fired. Lad, boss, point well taken, boss. Lad was eventually rehired, and JYD went on to become over a four-year period, arguably the most popular wrestler and biggest box office draw of any star in any territory over at time. Ted DiBiase can attest to that, having told me personally, now this is Jim Cornette, folks, that an infamous case, he got so much heat in New Orleans with JYD that Grizzly Smith, Road or Watts Road agent and right hand man actually had to take Ted out of the downtown municipal auditorium in a trunk of his car to prevent Ted DiBiase from being kidnapped and lynched by the hundreds of angry fans that waited for him outside the arena. Ah, the heat. The story of legendary. The stories are legendary. And it goes on to talk about you know him getting blind, et cetera, et cetera. But that's from Jim Cornette. That's a direct quote. That's from uh, Fighting Spirit Magazine, which is going to lead us to our number one because it talked about the blinding and 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 everything that we've already mentioned up to this point. It's going to take us to our number one reason. So number two was the um, uh, was decided ahead of time before his first match in the territory that junkyard dog was going to be a big star in his territory um, prior to his first match. And with that said, I'm going to let you all know, before Jeremy goes into the number one reason, that one of the things that we talked about was, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, because you can add on whatever, come I'm going to let you kind of finish it up. I know we're going to our time limit draw here. We're approaching our time. We're doing good. We're having a good time. We're having a good conversation. But we're hitting the one-hour mark, and is this. Junkyard Dog transcended all demographics. He, grew, he drew a crowd of people from every race and every type of fan. He transcended demographics. People of all races and all walks of life or ethnic group loved the Junkyard Dog. And that should take us to our number one moment that's going to be brought to you by At The Geekish Cast, Jeremy Bilmer, please take over and finish our show. Thank you very kindly, Jeremy, for your time. All right.
0: All right. Well, the number one I've got here, and I'm going to follow this up with a, a part of an article from Anti Gravity Magazine, and I'll link the article in the show notes when we publish. But um, it bucked the trends. J- J- ah, the Junkyard Dog bucked the racial trends in the South. So I'm going to read this a little bit from Anti Gravity Magazine. The Junkyard Dog was an unstoppable title-holding winner in a sport where a black man wearing a championship belt had been unheard of. He's New Orleans' greatest wrestling star, beyond any question. During his five-year run as Mid-South Wrestling's top performer, he captured the imagination and enthusiasm of South Louisiana to a degree professional wrestling never had before and never has since. So I want to address this quickly, and I don't want to linger on it, because I know a lot of our, our listeners are in the South, uh, and I don't want to aggravate anybody by making the, these statements. But look, Junkyard Dog, when he played high school football, got flack for being the only black guy on the team. Junkyard Dog came out of an era where black men were not big stars. And Bill Watts not was not a civil rights superstar supporter of any kind, but he knew how to draw money. And that's what was important here. Bill Watts saw something in Junkyard Dog and went with it, and it made him the biggest star in the South, not just the biggest black star in the South, but made a African-American hero for everybody down there. And I don't care if we're talking about your white grandma, your your, your seven- and eight-year-old uh, black kids in, in a segregated school still. Everybody loved the junkyard dog, and it totally reversed the racial trends. Huh. Okay, now that being said, Bobby, uh, I, I don't want to offend Southern people by acting like everybody down there is a racist. So I hope I didn't overstep on anything.
1: I don't think you did, and I think you summed it up very good. And that's the number one reason that we decided that Junkyard Dog that's his that's the top ten and that was this. He transcended all that man. It didn't matter the color of his skin. It was his wrestling ability, the push, the talk, the body. He had it all, you know. So with that said, Jeremy, you know, here's the thing. Go to the GoFundMe, go to Pin Me Pay Me, go to the educational wrestler, go to the tiny URLs Jeremy will give you or whatever. I don't know all that shit. I just, I just know the wrestling thing. And here's the thing. We just gave you the top 10 reasons why we love junkyard dog. We came to you from a small town venue in your hometown, or maybe an hour, hour and a half away that when you got to go see wrestling and you can find Jeremy at the geek cast you can find me at BobbyBlaze744. You can find our joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze all on Twitter. Jeremy runs that account. I do help retweet and answer questions on there. That's pretty much my own social my only social media. Jeremy has a Facebook page set up. He'll give you that information. He'll give you the tiny URLs. He'll give you the GoFundMe. He'll give you all the download. And here's the thing. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Please like it, share it. Follow it, fucking retweet it, do whatever you got to do. Let a friend know it's just two guys that love podcasting. We love professional wrestling, and we just gave you 10, if not 20 fucking reasons with a bunch of stories in between as to why we love pro wrestling. And there's my peas popping. Jeremy and I, I'm out of here. Peace out, brother. Finish it up.
0: All right. Well, everybody, please go and check out Bobby's books, Pin Me, Pay Me, at tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. And I kicked out on, to The Education of a Wrestler at tinyurl.com blazebook2. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to give the addresses for the Facebook group and page, but if you search for Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, they'll both come up. And uh, that is all. Thank you for joining us here at the Pickaway County Fairground in Circleville, Ohio. Hopefully you enjoyed our top 10 list, but if there's stuff out there you want to say about the Junkyard Dog, please tweet at me and Bobby. Hit us with the BBBB tag. We will try to respond to you as soon as we see it. We're usually pretty good about connecting with everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening, everybody around the world. And uh, with that being said, for Bobby Blaze and myself, Jeremy Vilmer, bye-bye, everybody.
2: Officer, how can it be, you can rest every but cruel Stagger Lee, that bad man, oh cruel Stagger Lee. the told Stagger Lee, please don't take my life, I got two little babes and a darling loving wife, That bad man, oh cruel staggering. What I care about you two little babes and a darling loving wife, You done stole my stuff and I'm bound to take your life. That Bad man, oh cruel stangling But oh, well, when I spy, built a line is lying down on the floor That bad man, oh, cruel Staggerly Younger's off the jury, what you think of that? Staggerly killed into line by a five-dollar studs on hand that bad man, oh cruel Stanley, and on the gallows' head way up high. At twelve o'clock they kill him. He's all glad to see him die. That bad man, oh cruel